Welcome to the Real Talk Theology Podcast, where everyone is a theologian. Whether you believe in God or just have thoughts about God, we invite you to join us as we discuss doctrine for everyday life. Hello, you beautiful humans, and welcome to another episode of Real Talk Theology. you didn't feel good (laughs) when you woke up this morning, you feel good now. Sure do. Uh, my name's Allie, and I'm here with the team, Chris, Brock, and Aaron, and today we're talking about how God makes us holy. But before we get into the good stuff, we like to kick off our episodes with a little icebreaker. Ice, so, ice, question of the day, if the four of us had to enter the Hunger Games, who do you think would make it out alive and why? Okay, I, I just don't even feel like this Who's is... Who's dying first? Me. Yeah. No yeah. question. Yeah. So, we'll yeah. Probably Aaron. I don't think yeah. anybody around this table or anybody listening has any questions. Appreciate <laughs> So the question is, is how does Aaron die first? Like, is it is it one of us gets to him or is it no, like an I accident? I think it's a self-inflicted accident <laughs> on the battlefield that happens here. It's, like I, it's right out the gate. The cornic, what is that right? Cornucopia. It's open. The bell rings. Is that what's it called? Whatever. That yeah, sounds cool. Yeah, Let's everybody's running, okay. and Aaron gets shot immediately. No, no, he doesn't get shot. He, like, he, he trips, trips over he his own lanky legs and falls on top of a sharp stick or something. <laughs> and like so his there goes me. All right, so who's left? Hey, we're really glad you're on the show. Yeah, Listen, I'm, like, if you if you know anything about Chris's background, like he's he's mo- more than likely going to win, unless Chris and I were talking about this before we came on the air. And he might, in his gracious, loving kindness, sacrifice himself for the rest of us. Mm. Um, but no. if if he's just <laughs> no, he's not. If it's hey, no greater love is this than a man lay down his life. Mm. Yeah, you're not going to though. Mm. What now? Or here's the other thing that I thought of. I is, provide you a home. You were building <laughs> Legos the other day and said the fact that I could take you out with one of these. <laughs> well, that's because you made some smart aleck remark. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> but here's the thing: is what I could see happening is is if Chris Chris would definitely win. Mm-hmm. But I could also see a world in which Chris is able to think outside the box enough that he's able to like break the whole system, and rather yeah. than killing us, he somehow like kills the people we in charge. Win. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but not in the sense of like you know in the Hunger Games where it's like they both win by almost killing themselves. It, it's more right. like he would take down the peep the man, you guys have whoever the man is. Yeah. Way too much confident in this old fat civilianized guy. No, point, no, so. don't sell yourself short, my friend. Six-pack of pudding cups, baby. <laughs> it's also just that we have no confidence in ourselves. Yeah. yeah so okay. there's that. If that yeah. makes you feel better. Yeah. And I'd feel really bad if I had to kill Allie. So. Thank you for thinking <laughs> that I wouldn't kill you first. <laughs> I couldn't kill anyone. Really? Even today, my mom always gets mad at me. Actually, my dad. Because um, I always say if there's an intruder in my house, I'm just going to shoot at them to hurt them because I really want to interrogate them. I'm not trying to kill anybody. I just want to. I thought it was because you're too tender hearted. No, I want to talk about it. Why are you in my house? And what were you going to take so that I can lock it up for the next guy? Anyways. Can you just imagine like before, before she starts unloading, she's just like, hi, beautiful friends. Bah, 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 bah. Oh, beautiful humans. Oh, beautiful, beautiful humans. Beautiful human. Yeah. All right. Well, well, I feel like that was great. Interesting. All right, Brock. Let's summarize what we've been so talking now, about. People out there are judging us hard. The whole, at this point. Hey, but really, like the even the concept for Hunger Games like proves a lot of just the messed up stuff in the world because obviously, like mm-hmm. we're not there yet. 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 Yeah. I mean, if it didn't happen in 2020, it's probably not happening anytime soon. But a lot of like the principles that the movie The Hunger Games is built off of, like human selfishness and and pride and survive at all costs and 
like a lot of those feed into like what we talk about when we're looking at the Bible. Like mm-hmm. the Bible has a lot to say about our sin nature. Where do those desires come from? Like the the um, desire to, to kill someone else rather than to laying down their their lives, like you mentioned, Chris. And and so today, as we're looking towards towards the Bible and informing us about this topic of holiness that we've we've been through, it kind of is a good segue as we transition from what we were talking about a few weeks ago, the fact that we aren't holy, um, holy meaning separate, other. Um, we are in a sense that we're made in the, the image of God, but as we saw because of sin, uh, we have been separated from God. So, so we are now unholy. There is something not destroyed. That image of God isn't destroyed, but it's been marred. It's been smudged, if you will. Um, and only holy people can come into the presence of a holy God. And so last week, what we or last month, what we saw was that God is holy. Um, so if God is holy and we are not, then what is the solution? And if you've been in the church world for a long time, this is when the Sunday school answer kicks into play. Jesus. Exactly. <laughs> um, I was going to gonna be like, so, Chris, what's the answer? But apparently anytime I, I segue into something, I always go to Chris. So I guess now I'm going to go to Aaron. Oh, gosh. And intimidate him because apparently I don't give him enough chances to, to no, talk. No, I never, I never said that. I, you said it does. without saying okay, it. Every, everybody else said it. Okay. You said it without saying it. So today what we're, what we're really going to be talking about is, is how to the, how does the problem get fixed? So here's a great way to, to start before we talk about how the Bible says our unholiness and the separation from God's holiness is fixed. What do you guys think? What are a lot of ways that people out in the world would try to fix their own unholiness? How, how, how does the world try to bridge that gap between them and God? Yeah. So, I mean, first I would just say like from a secular realm of things, um, people go to secular counseling and I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of good things to offer from that. But one thing that I was talking to a friend recently, that's why I'm bringing this up, is like methods we use like counting to 10. Like, you know, if, if we get mad or something like that, of just like counting to 10 breathing and, and, you know, like taking deep breaths and doing these different processes that are avoiding mm-hmm. um, avoiding your your guilt, I guess, or avoiding your, um, uh, avoiding your sin just to say that, oh, well, it's not actually you. I mean, everybody deals with this kind of stuff. So just count to 10 and breathe. It's not your fault. It's it's probably somebody else's fault or it's nobody's fault. Um, and so just just kind of breathe deep, think deep, and like meditate. But mm-hmm. they don't use the term like pray or like go to God with the problem. And yeah. it, it never – there's not a bunch of self-reflection. I don't I, – I personally think because we're in this world that just like no one wants to blame themselves. No one yeah. wants to take credit for anything they do wrong. And so – when we're in that kind of culture, in that world, and we're talking about holiness and and dealing with our sin, the first thing is, I don't want to admit I'm a sinner. I don't want to admit there's something wrong with me, so how do I get the weight off my shoulders? And so we we push it to other things, and such as, I don't know, so counseling is just the first thing on my mind right now, but there's plenty of other things we, we go to as fixes. Yeah, anybody else? What, what are some ways that people try to maybe r- rectify or correct their own unholiness? Yeah. So I, I mean, earlier you mentioned like bridging the gap. I think mm-hmm. one of the biggest things is just not even being open to the idea that that gap has already been bridged for us um, in a way. And so people don't want to explore religion a lot of times because they feel like it's a, a construct and yeah. it's like a group that you have to join. Um, and so they'll explore spirituality, which kind of touches on what you're saying. Um, and I think a lot of that just comes to being self-centered. So then creating your own truths which doesn't make you 
any closer to the solution for your own unholiness. It just justifies why you can behave a certain way. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's one of the big things that we see a lot of times is just this weird mindset of I'm creating whatever truth and world I want to live in, honestly. Well, which, you know, another way to say unholiness, which is kind of a weird way to say that phrase, but is brokenness, really. Mm. We're broken. We're we're not what we were originally created to be in the perfect creation. And we're broken because of sin. And so... Ways in which we try to escape our brokenness or cover it up, which is really what you're alluding to there as well, is is also we we try to find identity in things uh, outside of uh, what God's created us to be. Try to find our identity in our social media following. Find our identity in our occupation. I mean, especially as Americans and especially as guys. Like you meet any guy within the first five minutes or first three questions that's going to come up as you meet a guy is, "What do you do for a living?" Yeah. Because we're, that we base so much of our identity on that. And, uh, and so I think that's one of the ways in which we really do try to, to fix or to at least cover up or escape this brokenness or unholiness is we try to find identity. We try to find value mm-hmm. um, in things that are, frankly, fleeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so we have this command, and I'm, I'm even reading them on my notes right here. So 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16, and then this is also coming from Leviticus. So... The entire book of Leviticus, it can seem really confusing. It's full of laws, regulations, uh, ceremonial, like rituals, codes for the people of Israel. Um, but really, the entire book of Leviticus is is about being holy. It's the parameters around God giving His people the law and them them living under it, so as to set them apart from other people. So the whole book of Leviticus, it's it's law for God's people to live set apart. Um, but the the repetitive problem is is they can't keep it. So the whole problem is they, they can't keep the law. But here's here's the standard that's set out in uh, Leviticus, and then it's reiterated in 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16. Uh, it says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, being God, the one that's holy, like the Holy One that has called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. So there's the standard from Leviticus in the Old Testament to First Peter in the New Testament. The call for us is to be holy because God is holy. So don't be holy um, because you know you, your friend that is a good Christian or is a good moral person, like they're holy, so you want to be like them. Or don't be holy so that you can be better than that person that you know is is always down on their luck or always making bad choices. I think that's the mistake some of us can make. Is is holiness becomes a standard based on the people around us mm-hmm. rather than God is the standard. So you can always find someone that's doing better than you if you want to make yourself feel terrible, and you can always find someone that's doing worse than you if you want to make yourself feel good regarding you know, your ability to achieve the holiness standard that God's laid out. However, the standard isn't the person doing better than you or doing worse than you. The standard is God, and none of us can live up to that standard. Now, mm-hmm. also in 1 Peter 1, some of this is talking about sanctification because he's contrasting this with the, the, the former way of life, the lust, versus a new way of living. So it's not that our holiness is completely separated from works, but it's our works no longer define our holiness. It's our holiness is expressed through our works, but we still have to figure out the process of how is it that we are made holy, and that's where the gospel comes into play. So, so I'm not going to kick it to Chris. Whoever wants to pick it up, how is it that the the gospel message and the 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 biblical theology of of 
grace that's given to to people, like how is it that the gospel is what forms us into the likeness of God and makes us holy? Who's going to take it? Come on, young buck. Man, Step up to the plate. Me. You're looking at me. Okay. <laughs> well, him. I was really expecting Chris to hop in there. So, um, oh, I oh, he's ready. He's ready. But, okay. He, he, I was ready to pounce. He, but, uh, he's, so. he's ready to get it if you get it wrong, so okay. don't worry. All right. All right. So repeat the question. I, mean, I was listening, but like, okay. just to give him a mindset. So we're called to be holy. Listening. We're called to be holy. How is it that the gospel provides the answer to us being unholy, God being holy, but us being made a holy? Yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. So um, as we've talked about the whole time, uh, holiness is just being set apart. And so as Christians or even in the Old Testament law, it the law was there not to make you know, the Israelites miserable, but rather to make them look more like God. Yeah, and to give them a better way of life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. Things are going to go better if you follow God's order for the way that the world works right right he's the one that made it for sure so so yeah and uh and we're gonna get to like being made perfect here in a minute but i think like the holiness goes into our process of sanctification and uh and so holiness like being set apart doesn't mean we're not gonna sin and so a lot of times i think people correct uh i guess people view holiness as like just perfect and they're like oh man i can't be holy I'm like, well, as a Christian, we are already called holy, yeah. and we're called to to be holy. We've already been made holy, um, and we're being made perfect. And so I think there's like a, a difference between that because um, it's not perfection. Perfection is the goal, but like perfection mm-hmm. cannot be obtained here on the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna we're gonna be there eventually, um, but just like. Although our works don't save us, it shows us what we believe. It shows others what we believe. And so when we're being set apart, when we're living as holy as we can, it shows mm-hmm. the world around us that, hey, man, they follow Jesus. If we claim Jesus, like, oh, why do you do that? Oh, not because I want to look cool. Not because, you know, it's a nice thing to do. Mm-hmm. But I do this thing because I follow Jesus. And yeah. and I think we when we point the credit to Christ and when we, like, sh- we tell people why we do these things for the glory of God, it reflects him and it shows people, like, Man, they're taking the gospel call seriously, yeah. and uh, and yeah, I think a lot of times we we equate holiness and legalism in the same mm-hmm. thing in today's mm-hmm. culture because we're I don't know we're pretty I know we're gonna get this later on too as well. No, but, go ahead right now. But we're like super. We live in a lazy culture. I mean, I'm I'm super lazy as it is. Uh, I mean, I only have <laughs> thanks for that <laughs> affirmation. But Chris gave a little head nod. I, know, I don't I didn't like I mean, that. Yeah, I see his room upstairs. So, but <laughs> hey, 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 look, look, I got, I got the gospel spread. I ain't got time to clean my room. But uh, <laughs> terrible excuse. No, um, it's a great excuse. But oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Excuse. I got out of a ticket one time by telling the cop I was speeding because I had the gospel spread. But oh anyway, did you really? What, what, what was his response? He's like, never heard that one before. God bless you. Don't do it again. You know, kind of thing. So <laughs> I, love I was that. like, peace. But try that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah. So we we equate. Holiness and legalism is one and the same, uh, mm-hmm. meaning that, like, man, if, so, if you see somebody doing something, you know, per- perfecting it and, and doing it to the best of their, their ability, in today's world, I think, oh, man, they're tryhards. Oh, they're sweats. Oh, they're being so legalistic. They're sweats. You know, yeah. Got to write that one down. Like, um, sweats. Yeah, I got to put that that's, on my list. That's what the kids these days say. That's a phrase we they use, man. Sweats. Yeah, but so. the fact is we're not <laughs> capable <laughs> Of doing that, of doing of doing those things perfect. And right, so yeah, right. Yeah, and and so clarification there. So holiness versus legalism. Like the issue with legalism isn't trying to do good works. It's doing good works for the purpose of earning favor from right, God. Right, right, right. So, so. Which, hey, in our Southern Baptist circles, like I'm not mm. from an SBC background, 
uh, and, you know, came to Christ as an adult, yeah. coming out, of the, and, and then moved into this realm. And, and I say SBC tribe and who we are, Southern Baptist, right. but really it's it's Christendom across the whole. Yeah. Yeah. We just tend to be, uh, frankly, a little more guilty of this than others. But we have it somehow ingrained in our mindset, which is really bondage to some degree, that, that we're somehow earning a greater degree of God's love. Yep. By going to church, by doing missions, by sharing the gospel, by doing these things, and that's check, check the boxes. Check the box, and that's legalism. Like that's mm-hmm. not the gospel. Right. The right. gospel. I mean, you you were made holy at the point in which the blood of Christ covered you. Okay, you know, that, so that's where we need to get. So so Aaron is exactly right. Once we've trusted in Christ, there should be a desire in us to live out the holiness that we have been given. So it's almost like we're. We're, we're growing into the shoes that God has given us, or we are growing into this new standing that God has given us. We're not yet there in practice, but we are there in, in principle that, that God has made us holy. Um, so, so that's what we're striving to do, but even though we're striving to do it, how do we get to that point that we're made holy to begin with? Right. That's the question I think we should start with. Well, I mean, that's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For it's by God's grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing, but it's a gift from God, not a result of any work so that anyone may boast. I mean, it's it's by faith alone and Christ alone by which we are saved or made holy. Our faith is credited to us as righteousness, to quote an Old Testament passage with Abraham. And so it's... It's the blood of Christ that's the only thing that can purify, that initially yep. gives us that holiness or that new identity um, yes. that is a holy child of God set apart. And that's why we don't earn a greater degree of God's love, because mm-hmm. when he looks upon us as children of God who are under the blood of Christ, he sees pure, he sees spotless, yep. he sees justified, he sees yep. sanctified because we are pure in him. But then you have things like what Paul says where he says, not that I've already attained it, but I press on towards the high calling of God. Exactly. Or Philippians one six. For I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work and you will continue to perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Well, Correct. The key to that is remembering who began the good work and who's going to bring it through to completion. Yeah. Well, yeah. he's going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So Hebrews 12, 10 and 14, talking about sanctification with the, the backdrop of, of the author of Hebrews has just talked about the, the example of fathers disciplining their children. So for they disciplined us for a short time, talking about like our earthly fathers, for our for they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he, being God, disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness, pursue peace with all men, and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. So a couple key terms that I want us to see there. He talks about that we share his holiness. So the holiness that, that we have is not a holiness derived from our own. So as Aaron said earlier, we we strive towards this holy calling through this holy way of life, but it's a holiness that, that we haven't achieved for ourselves. It's a holiness that was given to us. Yeah. We are not set apart or made holy because we live up to the code well enough that, you know, we earn our merit badge or we, you know, we get our stamp or 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 our ID card. It's the moment we trust in Christ, there is a holiness that we share with Jesus, that there's a transaction that takes place, that our guilt is imputed onto Jesus on the cross. So Jesus receives, takes on our guilt, our punishment, and then he pays for that so that in exchange, the the transaction is he takes our guilt, 
but it's not just that he takes our guilt. He also gives us something in return, and he gives us his perfect standing. He gives mm-hmm. us his um, his righteousness, his 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 perfection, his ability to keep and obey the law perfectly. So that when God looks at us, he doesn't see the sinful record of Brock. He doesn't see the unholiness of Chris or Allie or, or Aaron. When he looks at us, he sees the sinless perfection of Jesus. And so that holiness is something that we're given. We're made holy because we trust in Jesus and transactionally what's you know, termed as imputed righteousness, that the righteousness of Jesus is placed in our account. It would be like, for example, I have a huge amount of debt, but someone comes along and not only is he willing to you know, wipe away my debt, but he also places his wealth and his riches in my account. I didn't earn it. I have a responsibility to maybe steward it and use it, which we mm-hmm. could talk about sanctification here in a moment, as Aaron got to a minute ago. But the the fact that I am wealthy now has nothing to do with anything I've done. It's what someone else has yeah. placed into my account. That's what Jesus does to us whenever we trust in him. We're made holy simply because we trust in Jesus. But now we get to the, the hard, hard part of walking that out, as you're quoting Paul a minute ago. Mm-hmm. So so how is it that, that we begin to walk that out in... Uh, Aaron, why don't you take us to uh, Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Let's think about this for a second. So it says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as only in my presence, but now in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work his good pleasure. So what's the pattern there that Paul gives us for sanctification, what we have, what we've attained, but also what we're striving to be? Yeah, so, I mean, the pattern is like God has done all the work, but we work um, I, I like the the phrase like we we don't work for grace or we don't mm-hmm. work for a prize but we work work from the prize yeah uh, and I, I like the wording of that because um, nonetheless we're still working but there's not the weight on our shoulder that that mm-hmm. so often is put on it because we're like oh I have to work and do this and do this but we have to be reminded I mean heck it's the Christmas season coming up we have to be reminded of what a gift is right yeah like a gift. If if I get you something for Christmas, I'm not saying I will, so don't get your hopes up. You better. But if I get you something, um, what you gonna get me here? The dopest of doctrine shirt. But, <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so if if I get you a gift though, you didn't work for that. But Correct. when we're here, you know, working hours and stuff, and and I get paid every two weeks or something like that, mm. I earn that. And I, I feel like you know, just in this, we have to be reminded that hey, you know. I'm going to do something good for Brock if he does something good for like if he if he gives it's me transactional something, yeah it's, it's it's like that but um, but just not the weight on our shoulder the weight's lifted off and we're doing it with joy we're following Jesus with joy we're working from joy uh, not with a burden on our heart of like oh man I have to do this or I let mm-hmm. or I let God down but rather like man he paid it all for me so why wouldn't I? like we have yep. to change our mindset you yeah know? so Paul says work out your salvation which to some of us if it stopped there we would think oh my goodness like I've got to work this thing out I've got to achieve it I've got to accomplish it but then he goes on to say for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work his good pleasure so there's something on our end we contribute this effort once we're saved to to live out the salvation that God has given freely to us but we know we don't do that alone that ultimately God is the one in us already accomplishing in us what he is he has set out to do which which should give us a lot of rest oh, yeah another thing that Paul yeah. said at one point I labor harder than any of you yet mm-hmm. not I but what but Christ in the, me yeah the grace of God in me at work to accomplish because these you look things, at so. passages that talk about holiness and so 1 Peter 2:9 you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, the priesthood were people who were separate from everyone else 
and they went before God on on uh, the people's behalf, so as to serve as an intermediary between the people of Israel and God. So, so if we were a priesthood, we are people that have been set apart. He goes on to say, a holy nation and a people for God's own possession. He's not saying that's who you are striving to be. He's saying this is who you've been made to be. In Revelation 1.6, he says, And he has made us to be a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. Um, To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So so holiness is ultimately something that we are made more than we achieve. Yes, we want to live it out, but it's something we are made. So, Allie, let's kick this to you for a second. Um, Like, how does that maybe provide a sigh of relief, a comfort for people to know that, hey, like holiness is a high standard, but I don't have to work for it. It's what's already been done for me. Yeah. So I, it's really fascinating because I think a lot of people um, view God as um, someone who takes, Hmm. uh, takes our money, takes life, um, takes different things. And so when you don't understand, you don't have that relationship, you see God as somebody who takes um, and there's not much giving. You don't see the other side of that. Um, but then when you think about, uh, really, we didn't deserve anything. Mm-hmm. So even him just taking on our sin really was so far beyond what we ever deserved. And it could have stopped there. Mm-hmm. But out of his graciousness and generosity and love for us, then allowing us even the opportunity to become more like him in holiness is a huge gift in and of itself. Um, I also love when science and faith yeah. like can intersect. And so like Aaron was talking about earlier, you know, we have this gift of salvation and I like to think of sanctification in this way too. Um, we, there's like this psychological rule of reci- um, reciprocation or reciprocity is a principle. Yeah. And so you give me a gift that's, I think worth $50, I feel obligated in return to give you a gift worth $50, if not more. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when we were given salvation and holiness, the the best thing I can do then is to work out my faith and sanctification. And the best thing I can give back is my life. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that God wants that from me and I have this pursuit of holiness, which is also a book, um, I'm learning more and more how much I hate my sin Ooh, and I desire yeah. to be more like him. And you just start seeing the world in a different way. You start seeing yourself in a different way. You see others around you in a different way. And mm-hmm. so working to be more and more like him is obviously the goal, right? Through sanctification. And so I think you just kind of develop these intense feelings, hopefully not too much of hatred, but at the end of the day, we should hate our sin. Yeah. Um, just of the, the evil things around us. Well, and you know, a lot of times we think about like, be whoever you are, like don't try to be someone else. But the moment that we are, you know, saved by grace, the moment we trust in Jesus, the moment that he makes us new, like we are a new creation. Mm -hmm. Like we are no longer unholy. We are holy. And so to, to live according to the flesh or according to the lusts that we read about earlier, according to the, the ways of the world, who we used to be, like, that would be living as a person that we are not anymore. Right. Um, in order to fulfill... I mean, the fact is we're not just holy. Yeah. We're not just mm-hmm. cleansed. The scripture says you are a co-heir to the kingdom of God in Christ. Yeah. You are children of God. Like, if you really get into what that language means to be the co-heir to the kingdom of God in Christ, I mean, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. And not only is he not just... you know, And I think, too, just a, a quick side note here, 
you know, we throw around these words grace and mercy a lot within Christendom, and, and those are not uh, equal terms. They're not; they don't mean the same thing. Right. Um, and so, mercy was that Christ died on the cross for us, fulfilling the law and the requirements mm-hmm. of the law. Grace, as it's commonly defi- defined within Christian circles, is unmerited favor. It's right. not just the fulfillment of the law in order that we may attain or have this imputed holiness upon us. Grace is going further than that saying, well, not only am I going to set you apart and make you holy and call you children, but I'm going to do something beyond that. Mm -hmm. And it's something unique that we believe as Christians. And that is as Christians, we're Trinitarians around this table. We believe in the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that that we believe that part of the Godhead in the form of the Holy Spirit comes to reside inside of us. And that's how this progressive sanctification, which is really what we're talking all around, Mm -hmm. this pursuit of holiness plays its way out in us as we're being conformed to his image is because this Holy Spirit's inside of us to comfort us because Christ calls him the comforter of the Holy Spiritual sin, but also to convict and to conform, uh, to change us, uh, to be more in his likeness, to where... When things happen uh, around us, uh, whether the curveballs that inevitably just bringing it down to an everyday level, when curveballs are thrown our way in life, this pursuit of holiness doesn't look like a reaction in the flesh that happens initially or before Christ or even initially when we first come to Christ. Like I think about it now, there's things that um, that at one point, if someone got in my face about even after coming to Jesus, when I you know technically was holy at that point before God but not conform to the same degree. Like, I would have yeah. knocked somebody's block off. <laughs> but that same thing could happen now, and that reaction in the flesh wouldn't happen. There'd be a response in the Spirit going, hey, and can I help you in some way? And uh, and that's a sign of hey, this pursuit of holiness playing itself out in our lives, this conforming to the image of God that's taking place, mm-hmm. uh, where we no longer react in the flesh, but we respond in the Spirit. Yeah. And, uh, and I know I'm talking a lot here, but let me also wrap it around too, because this this... There's another term thrown around in Christendom a lot um, that we use, and that is, oh, we, get, we want to be humble, right? As mm-hmm. Christians, humility, this term that gets thrown around so much. Aaron oh. said that he was the most humble person in this room. So, yeah. But Moses oh. said he was the most humble. Moses wrote that he was the most humble in the Bible. So. He did. But if you define <laughs> humility properly, hmm. it is possible. <laughs> um, so looking and, and just trying to boil humi- humility down to a man-made definition. Yeah. Uh, Humility is this, and this is what I was taught when I first came to Christ by uh, the folks that were discipling. I think I know what you're going to say. I almost want to see if we can say it at the same time. We can all three say it. Well, uh, you guys are going to probably use C.S. Lewis's. No, right. I'll just, let, let's just let Chris do it. Go for it. All <laughs> right. So humility is being known for who you are, nothing more and nothing less, mm, that's and not what recognizing I you were say. That's good. <laughs> that anything good in your life is a result of God say that or one others more time. pouring in. Humility is being known for who you are, nothing more, but also nothing less and recognizing that anything good in your life is a result of God or others pouring in. That's the definition I was taught of humility when I first came to Christ. Aaron, what did you think he was going to say? Uh, that, but the, oh, C- the C.S. Lewis. Well, Aaron? I, I hang around him Oh, yeah, that's a lot. right. And I've so, taught by, the interns. But yeah, the, right. the C.S. Lewis one is probably the one you were thinking of, mm-hmm. um, and I actually heard that one so much more than the C.S. Lewis one now that... Uh, it's not thinking less of yourself, yeah. it's thinking of yourself less. Yes, yeah. Um, and that's another good one as well. Yeah, for I think sure. the, the, my definition is a little more applicable. It's easy to apply. <laughs> Chris Coleman well, is saying that he's better this. than yeah, C.S. You Lewis. Just said you're than C.S. I think no, he's the people who gave me the definition, too. I didn't write the definition of humility. <laughs> yes. But uh, but you no, know, you think about this being known for you are nothing more or nothing less. Sometimes as Christians, in a desire to appear holy, mm-hmm. yeah. we'll try to humble ourselves, quote unquote, in a way that's really not humility at yeah. all. It's false pride, or mm-hmm. it is pride. It's 
woe is false me. humility. Yeah, woe is me. Or you know, somehow debasing ourselves lower than what it is that God has created yeah. us to be. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, like I, I knew I had a student one time that uh, would blow Shane and Shane, the music artist, out of the water with a guitar, which is saying something if you know who we're yeah. talking about. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he was just plucking for a minute, tuning his guitar, when somebody walked by and said, hey, you played? He's like, yeah. Said, Are you any good? And he goes, yeah, I'm all right. And so I had a conversation with him later. I'm like, hey, not that I'm saying you need to go around bragging, but you're not just all right at playing guitar. God's yeah. given you a gift. He's put people in your yeah. life to pour into you, to hone that gift. <laughs> And you're making less than what God's created you to be by by making that statement. Mm, and, yeah. uh, and then on the flip side of that, of course, we nothing more or nothing less. Mm-hmm. You know, we also don't make more of ourselves than we are right. either. And so, uh, which is the common interpretation we do with humility, yeah. rather than not making ourselves less than what God's yeah. created us to be. So, see, because Chris has been conformed to the the holiness of Jesus, if we were in a Hunger Games scenario, he would in fact lay down his life for us, or at least not be too. Uh, vengeful and yep. taking us out one by one. Way to tie he, back in. He, he, would, he, would, he would give us a, an easy way out. After not after a, humility hey, I've, to hunger I've been, I've been, <laughs> I've been trying to, to weave this thing to a close. So, there, there's your tagline or your title for this uh, session. Yeah. Humility and Hunger Games. Humility, yeah, holiness, and Hunger Games. And Hunger Games. Yeah, you got the three H's. I like that. Uh, so as we're finishing kind of this three-episode series on holiness, uh, God is holy. We're not holy because of our sins, but because of the, the the work of Christ in our lives, His holiness can be imputed, that that righteousness imputed, given to us in our account, so that we can have right relationship with God. So that's where it is on the the, the theological level, level on 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 the the practical everyday level. Why does this matter? Why does an understanding of our personal holiness in Christ really matter? Um, I'll throw it out to you guys for for any comments before I wrap it up with a few thoughts. Why does it matter? Or have we just been talking for three months? <laughs> <laughs> we have been talking for three months, but it does matter. It does matter. Um, I mean, obviously, anything that we do when we're living out our faith helps our witness. Yeah. Um, and so whether, you know, a non-believer can see that and identify that you are set apart, like that's a huge compliment yeah. to how you're living your life. And I think that that is one of the biggest things for me, um, especially in a world that's so, um, the world seems so large, right? Because of social media. And so maybe when my words can sometimes be misconstrued or I feel like I can't reach a lot of people. Um, I was taught, um, that there's always a set of eyes watching you and you don't know whose they are. Um, so your influence has a lot, um, or you have a lot of influence on other people. And so how you live your life really, really does matter. And so living it in that pursuit of holiness is really important. You said, let your light shine before men so they might see your good works. Mm-hmm. Those good works produced not out of a desire for God to love you, but out of a produce, um, out of the love that you already have and for the holiness that's in you, um, that they may see your good works and glorify God. So us living set apart as we have been made set apart can help us with personal evangelism, with living as a light yeah. to those who are around well, us. it changes our motivation behind all those things okay. as to why it is we want to do personal evangelism. We do personal evangelism because we want the lamb that was slain to receive the reward of his suffering in each yep. one of us because we know he's worthy. Mm-hmm. And as we talked about, you know, tying all this series together, we talked about in that first one about just the nature and character of who our God is as a holy, set-apart, amazing, mm-hmm. awesome God. Therefore, he is worthy of our worship and he's worthy of our obedience. And and coming back to that worship thing, just even how we define worship, worship is simply declaring who God is. Mm-hmm. God, you are holy you are and we do this in song a lot and that's what we yeah. think of when we hear the word worship 
the singing worship songs in Krishna, God, you are this, you are this, you are that, you are merciful, you are gracious, you are whatever it is. It's a declaration of who God is. But if it's no longer us who live, but Christ in us, we're a declaration of the nature and character of our God. And so everything that we do, in essence, is is worship. Yeah. It's declaring who God is. Whether Would it's school work that you do or don't do for your online well, classes, called out. or it's or it's you know going to your your job, or it's taking care of your kids, or leading your family well, or whatever that is. And that's why this is so important because it goes down to the practical level of everything that we do yeah. is a declaration of the nature and character of our God, which is holy. Yeah. That's the uh, declaration of dependence mm. on God right there. Yeah. There you uh, go. yeah. That's, that's good. Thank you. That's good. So we've <laughs> got to understand the holiness was achieved for us. It can't be worked for by ourselves. That should give us rest. We should want to be like God. If we know God, if we love him, we should want to strive for um, our, our uh, living into that holiness that we've already been made. We should want to be less sinful. Ali has mentioned that. We, we need to know that this isn't hopeless, but because God is working in us, the Holy Spirit dwells within us to sanctify us, which simply is sanctification is just a fancy word for the process of being made to look and live more like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is in us to help us accomplish that, and we know that God is going to finish the things that he has started. Um, and then last of all, it helps us understand our identity. Um, we can know that on our best day, and on our worst day, when God looks at us, he doesn't see the, the, the summation of the things we've done right or a summation of the things we've done wrong. He sees the summation of the work of his son on the cross, crucified sufficiently for us, um, risen from the dead victoriously for us, and given us that holiness that we need to have to stand before him. So whether we're going to God in prayer, whether it's the moment we step into heaven, we can have confidence that that we can walk into the presence of God um, because our, holy, our, our sinfulness has been taken care of and holiness has been given to us. Mm-hmm. And so if you're listening to this podcast, you've been walking through with us, if you're a follower of Jesus, that holiness should give you a lot of confidence in your walk with Christ. And if you're not a follower of Jesus and, and you think of, a lot about the summation of your failures, or maybe you you have a false confidence in the summation of your victories, um, what you need to turn to is the grace of Christ and the, the holiness of Christ can be yours um, so that you can have a relationship with God if you want it through trusting in, in Christ. Amen. Awesome. Good word. Good well, word. And this, uh, while you're talking, you know yes. what I often get this impulse to do? What? Say so as we're sitting here, no, we always okay. look at each other during the whole time. I get this impulse just to awkwardly stare at the camera <laughs> like this and That's just right. look at it weirdly until, yeah. That should be our outro. Talking. What What is our outro? Peace out, puppies. No. no. We've already no. determined that. Dang it. We've, for sure. Not. Listen, no, your podcast is gone. Don't, Don't stop, stop believing. believing.